0: From the Credit Union National Association, this is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people, credit union ideas.
1: Creating a high-performing team requires, as Tracy Nelson puts it, getting the right people on the bus. That means finding those who have both the right skills and knowledge and fit your credit union's culture, says Nelson, Vice President of Learning and Development at the University of Wisconsin School of Business. I'm Bill Merrick, Deputy Editor for Credit Union Magazine and CUNA News. In this episode of the CUNA News Podcast, Nelson looks at some common elements of high-performing teams, the importance of coaching, and where teams can fall short. She addressed CUNA Management School this July in Madison, Wisconsin. So Tracy, can you tell me a little bit about your background and and how you got to where you are today?
0: Sure. So my background is really all things training hr and talent development so i have been in that field for over 30 years and i work with leaders and teams and organizations providing a variety of professional development workshops i also do assessments on culture and leadership and provide coaching executive coaching and leadership coaching services
1: and what's your role at the uw school of business
0: I work for the UW Center for Professional and Executive Development. I am a vice president of Talent Solutions. So I work with all of our instructors and our client organizations, and we bring leadership development, coaching, and assessments out to different organizations. I'm also the president of Aspire Talent Group. So that's my independent consulting firm where I go out and help leaders, teams, and organizations be their most effective.
1: Do you work with any credit unions at all?
0: I do, yes. I I myself worked for a credit union here in the Madison area for almost 10 years. I was their vice president of training and organizational development. I'm actually very passionate about credit unions. I think once they get in your blood, they stay there. So a lot of the work that I do with my independent business is helping credit unions across the country, again, working with leadership teams and teams for their talent development needs.
1: Where do credit unions sometimes fall short um, in terms of developing high-performing teams?
0: Well, one of the things uh, from being in a credit union myself for so many years, I know that they're very busy environments, uh, really focused on serving the members. And it's often really a challenge to take time out of the busy day and to bring employees out of the branch into a training room and really be able to focus on developing your team and spending time together as a team. So I think that's one of the challenges that credit unions tend to face when it comes to helping develop high-performance teams teams. But we know, uh, especially the workshop we we did today, we talked a lot about how leaders can model effective behaviors and how they can use coaching and feedback to really create the right culture on their teams for high performance.
1: And what were some of the, I guess, the biggest questions that you had today from your students at CUNA School?
0: The students today, I think, really had a special interest in how to deal with performance improvement or corrective coaching. So we as leaders are often a little bit hesitant to hurt people's feelings and to give difficult feedback. It's much easier to coach the good behaviors or to recognize the good behaviors than it is to have a very difficult and candid conversation with an employee about where they might be falling short. So uh, this group is really no different. I think that's an area that leaders across the board in all industries tend to struggle with. And it's because we're good people and we don't want to hurt people's feelings. So it's uh, challenging to have those difficult performance conversations, but also so important as leaders to do that.
1: How can a credit union leader get past that fear and offer constructive feedback?
0: Well, I tell leaders that we really owe our employees an honest assessment of their performance. So when we have someone that is not meeting expectations and not doing what they need to do on their job, obviously, if that continues, their job is in jeopardy. So the only... Chance really that the employee has to be able to improve is to be made aware of where they're not meeting expectations. So, as difficult as it is, and as uh, as much as we don't want to hurt people's feelings by sugarcoating the feedback or not giving the feedback, we are really not setting them up for success and uh, not giving them the chance to improve.
1: How do you build a high performing team? Are there certain steps that you follow, or certain things that you look at when you're when you're trying to do that?
0: Well, there are some common elements to high performing teams. So uh, one of the first things we tell leaders is how important it is to get the right people on the bus. So to truly understand your roles and what your needs are for those roles and to do a good job spotting people that not only have the appropriate skills and knowledge, but who also will be a good cultural fit for your team. So getting the right people on the bus is important. Uh, then there's a lot of cultural elements that are important to high-performing teams. Trust is a very big factor. So uh, creating an environment of trust where people feel safe and supported, that environment is much more conducive to being able to give open and honest feedback. And open and honest feedback is a key factor in creating a high-performing team accountability for results is also important. And the way we hold people accountable is through coaching and feedback. So you can see that creating that right culture, where again, people feel safe, they have good, strong relationships, they're comfortable challenging each other's ideas, and they're comfortable having open, honest conversations. That's the right culture to create a high performing team that's really focused on results and able to support each other and coach each other in getting there.
1: What are some signs that your team isn't quite up to snuff on all that?
0: Some of the signs of teams that might be struggling, um, first, you might see it just in the results. How well is that team achieving their business goals or what kind of results are they getting? So that's often where you will start to see a problem or or get an idea that a team might be struggling a little bit. Uh, you also see it in team culture. So if you're seeing uh, meetings where people are having strong disagreements or uh, you notice there's a lot of gossiping on the team or other non-constructive or destructive team behaviors, those are some other signals that maybe your team isn't necessarily in a good place and you might want to take some action to shift that.
1: And that's kind of where coaching comes in then to make a course correction.
0: Absolutely. So coaching individuals on your team and coaching your team as a whole to really set clear expectations for what that desired performance is. And also thinking about performance, not just as meeting business goals, but performance is also made up of behavior. So as a team, you're setting clear expectations for business goals, but you're also setting clear expectations for the types of behaviors and culture that you want on your team. So what are, what is acceptable behavior on our team? You, as a leader, really set the tone for that.
1: Can you tell me a little bit more about your work when you worked for a credit union um, and some of the the programs that you implemented?
0: Yeah, so uh, when I worked for the credit union, my team was responsible for all of our new employee orientation. All of our regulatory and compliance training, all of our teller training, our loan officer training, uh, really did all of the job-specific training, but we also did a lot of the professional development. So we had courses related to improving your communication skills. I personally was responsible for leadership development, so I managed our new manager onboarding process and training process. I also managed our leadership development program for the credit union.
1: What was the leadership development program like? What were some of the components of that?
0: As an organization, we had defined some key competencies or values or behaviors that we wanted in our leaders. And my role was to put together a really comprehensive program. And we rolled out training approximately every quarter on a different skill. So for example, one quarter, we might have been focused on how do you hire the right fit for your team? What is the hiring process? What types of interview questions should you use? The next quarter, we might focus on coaching or conducting meaningful performance reviews. So we essentially every quarter rolled out some new competency that we were building in our leaders to help them really maximize their effectiveness.
1: What are the biggest mistakes that leaders make when they're trying to coach their employees? Are there certain bad practices that it's easy to get wrapped up into?
0: I think one of the biggest mistakes people make in coaching is feeling like, We only coach for improvement or correction, and we forget to coach the good behaviors. So if the only time we call an employee into our office to coach is when they've done something wrong, then coaching has a negative connotation to it. I think it's most effective for leaders to paint a clear picture on what does desired performance look like and make sure you paint that picture for employees, tell them the behaviors that you want to see. And as soon as you see any semblance of that behavior, you acknowledge it and validate it and and recognize them for it. Uh, that is more of a positive frame on coaching. And uh, even when people are struggling with certain behaviors you don't want to see, You paint that positive picture, and then you acknowledge them when they do something right. So I think that's one of the biggest mistakes is focusing on what are people doing wrong. We want to shift that frame and catch them doing something right.
1: So attracting and retaining employees is a huge issue for credit unions and all companies uh, today. What are some things that credit unions can do to address both of those issues?
0: One of the best ways to retain employees is to create a highly engaged workforce. So this concept of employee engagement is really important to credit unions and really in all industries. It's been shown to be the key factor in employee retention. Uh, Engagement is all about what is the discretionary effort that someone is willing to give to their job. How passionate are they about the organization? How empowered do they feel? Uh, It's about the culture that a leader creates and a credit union creates.
1: What about organizational development appeals to you most?
0: The things about organizational development that really appeal to me most is that it's really about how you support individual employees, individual leaders, teams, and the organization as a whole. So it's about how do we get all of these different components working together so that individuals, leaders, teams, and the organization as successful as they can possibly be. So organizational development is really a very broad field, but One of the things I like most about it is it gives me the opportunity to work with such a diverse group of people and to really help them bring out their best talents and help them be as effective as they can possibly be.
1: I suppose every company has its own unique issues, too, which must keep it interesting.
0: Organizations do have some unique issues. And at the same time, I would say after working across many different industries and types of organizations, there are some common threads in things that leaders and teams are challenged with. So as we mentioned earlier, uh, leaders struggling to give that corrective feedback and worried about hurting people's feelings, that is a very common feeling really across all industries, uh, teams that struggle with interpersonal dynamics and creating the right team culture and making sure that uh, everyone is having constructive team behaviors. That happens really across all industries. So you do see some things that are unique, but again, we're all human. And uh, sometimes we we have those same challenges in the workplace. And that's one of the things I love about what I do is that I'm really there to support leaders and teams and organizations and, and helping them through that.
1: Employee engagement seems like it's a huge issue these days. What are some things that credit unions can do to make sure that their employees are engaged in, in their work?
0: I think one of the big things that credit unions can do to help with employee engagement is making sure they're talking a lot about the credit union mission and philosophy. That's one of the unique things about the credit union industry is that how can you not feel good about the credit union mission and philosophy? So that's something that I think having that mission resonate with every employee that joins your organization, having them feel connected to that mission and vision and philosophy uh, really helps with employee engagement. I think another thing is making sure that uh, credit unions really focus on helping develop their leaders and making sure their leaders have the skills and knowledge and support they need to help them build high performing teams and build the right culture that's going to help really engage those employees and really keep them, retain them at the credit union.
1: What's one thing that you know now as an HR leader that you wish you'd known starting out?
0: One thing I wish I would have known earlier in my career is just the importance of of having the courage to have candid conversations. I think uh, it's a little bit harder. Uh, It was harder for me earlier in my career, and over time, being a leader, I found that you really can't be effective as a leader if you're not willing to have the courage to have those open, honest conversations. So it's something that I really hesitated to do early in my career. And uh, through being a leader, you tend to get a lot of practice in that. So over time, I've just come to really understand and embrace the importance of that. And I really encourage leaders to practice and reach a place where they feel comfortable having those courageous conversations.
1: Is that what you did to kind of get over your initial fear, just practice or anything else?
0: I wish there was any way around it other than practice. But uh, I would say the way that uh, I got comfortable with candid conversations was I I took the time before one of those conversations to sit down and plan and to think about it and to just gather my facts and gather my thoughts and think about how I was going to approach the conversation. I would think in advance about how might this conversation be received? What might that other person be feeling? And is there anything that I can do or plan for in my approach to make it a safe conversation for them? And to make sure that even if I'm talking about something difficult, that it's being done in a respectful way and that they feel safe in that conversation for them to also be able to give difficult feedback to me. So I think just the planning and the preparation goes a long way when you have to have a difficult conversation. And again, the approach being uh, thinking about that person with respect and making a commitment to having a respectful conversation. Thanks for listening to the Kuna News podcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play.